Hey listeners, welcome to 10x Growth Strategies podcast. This is your host, Preeti Padmanabhan, technology executive, investor, and board member. In this episode, we will feature the book, Enhance Employee Engagement, Future-Proof Company Strategies. We are fortunate to have the author of the book, Nicole Mason, join us today. Nicole is a technology executive, board member of multiple nonprofits, advisory board member to UC Irvine's Customer Experience Program, lawyer, published author, cultural immersion retreat leader, and a single mother. Wow, Nicole, you do have several hats there. Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And Nicole is also a pioneer of remote leadership and has been building diverse, high-performing virtual teams for over 20 years. Welcome, Nicole, to 10X Growth Strategies podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Preeti. Fantastic. Let's get started with hearing about your career journey, some of the key points from your career journey. Yes, it is a 25-year journey so far. And really, I started in the very beginning advising technology companies back in the mid-90s when Silicon Valley was just coming up and becoming known as Silicon Valley. I was at a law firm and I was advising startups to help them get their funding. And I was also litigating. And I realized, you know, I just really love working with these tech companies and helping them launch products and do new exciting things. And so I went in house after just a couple of years to a technology company that had a vision and this was in the late 90s. They had a vision of people working from anywhere. And they had a technology that allowed for mobile computing and, and um, you know, mo- it, was, it was a mobile uh, modem so that people no longer had to be tethered to a wall in an office. And my team at that, I would manage a team that was spread all across the United States. And we were working together to implement this technology back before there, were, there was video conferencing and establishing relationships with each other just over the phone. And that really set the tone for the rest of my journey. And because, you know, I was working from home already before most people ever worked from home. And then I took that, I carried it with me and I went on to Sun Microsystems and was working globally. And after the dot bomb happened in 2000, no longer was there budget for Sun to keep doing its its, uh, retention strategy of moving people around. Sun used to physically move people around so they could take on new assignments and different assignments. And it was great for the company and it was great for the employees, but they couldn't do it anymore. The budget disappeared. I raised my hand and said, you know, remote support, people can work from anywhere and support people and work with teams anywhere. You have a need in Australasia and you can't move me there, but I can work with that team from California. And it was a really scary thing because I was told, 
okay, we'll let you do this. But if it doesn't work out, there may not be a role anywhere for you. And I took it on and it was great. It was really what we now call the hybrid model. I worked mostly with the Australasia team from California, my home in California, but I did go over, of course, to meet them in person and establish the relationships in person. But then, you know, we worked together remotely, grew the business, and it was so successful that Scott McNeely personally acknowledged me and thanked me for helping them land their biggest deal ever in New Zealand and grow the Australasia business in this hybrid model. So then, you know, fast forward some years and I became a general counsel and I kept, you know, promoting this, this concept of flexibility and employee autonomy. Like, here's your goals, get it done. I trust you, you know, I don't need to tell you when to be in the office. and then a big inflection point came after a few years of, of successfully doing that, you know, being that first general counsel and building a team, I had my son. And I realized I am, I'm not being given the level of autonomy that I would need to continue working full time and be there for my family. And so I stepped out of corporate like so many women do. They step out of corporate, particularly women, step out of corporate because they want to be there for their families and they feel like they don't have the option to do both. So I consulted. I worked, I continued to work full time. I started my consulting business. I wrote my book as part of that consulting business. And, you know, then I went on fast forward to 2020 and one of my clients hired me to be their first general counsel and lead their first ever legal team. They were based in New York, tech company based out of New York. And I, at that point, uh, you know, where I am now, Lake Tahoe, California. And they said, no, we know that you can do this because you've been consulting with us remotely for a year. So, you know, in January, 2020, I officially became their first remote only C-suite, you know, leadership team member. And then a couple of months later, COVID shut everything down and suddenly everybody, you know, almost everybody was working from home. And so I really helped the company navigate that change and pivot. And the company wound up in a 100% remote mode, launched new products, raised series E funding, and my, you know, and I hired, of course, built out a whole team that I never met in person. And we helped the company do all of these things. And eventually late last year helped the company get acquired. And it was just, you know, a huge success, all 100% remote. So here I am, um, stepped away back to doing my own thing uh, because I'm so passionate on this topic of, and it's so timely now, of employee autonomy. Absolutely, and you were way ahead of your time, Nicole. Uh, and uh, I loved your story about Sun and how you closed the deal in Australasia uh, several years ago. And I saw that the book that you wrote, Enhance, was published in 2015 when nobody was talking about this hybrid model or remote workforce. And now that's top of mind. So being ahead of your time, what motivated you to write a book 
about fostering successful corporate teams and culture while in this particular model that you talked about, the remote and hybrid model? It was really my experience, you know, it was my journey because what I saw was when, when companies, when leaders, you know, particular departments gave their employees the trust and autonomy to just, here's your goals, do it. I'm not gonna tell you how to do it. I'm not gonna tell you what time frame, you know, like the, the times of the day that you have to get it done. They were more successful. More success, more productivity came when employees were trusted as adults to get their work done and also, you know, take care of their, their personal business. It was a theory. That's how it started out. I had this theory based on my experience and I decided being the, you know, kind of, well, being a lawyer, research, data-based. Um, and so I went out and I, and I looked, you know, cause there are McKinsey, Pew, there are all these major research houses. They, they do research on this topic. And so all of the data was there and I went and found it to see, is my theory correct? Is there something to this? Does the data support my belief that, you know, more autonomy and more flexibility and work arrangements equals more profitability and, and more, you know, just general business success. And sure enough, the data showed that that is exactly the case. And that's when I decided to write my book because there's all that data out there that, you know, many people aren't seeing and I have experience. And so I rolled all the data and the experience and enhance is a framework. You know, so I distilled all of this data and information and how to, to help companies and leaders actually provide the autonomy because it's, it's scary and it's hard and it's a challenge. Like leaders, they're not taught how to do this. That's what inspired it. Wow. I can't wait to unpack more of uh, your framework and other things that you just mentioned. And I loved your thought about like treating people as adults <laughs> and giving them the autonomy. I saw that in your uh, summary talked about attracting, motivating and retaining employees, which has been a big mandate for me as a leader for the last few years. And we hear about this great resignation that is happening recently. And especially COVID has driven that to the next highest levels. I'd love to hear why is your book a must read for leaders, especially those facing challenges caused by the great resignation or reset? It really provides a roadmap and a framework for how to attract top talent and then keep them once you have them. So enhance, it's an acronym for seven must-have components baked into operations and a company's culture. It's basic. Like for example, C stands for communication. N stands for navigate, like as in navigate change because change is constant. So I lay it out and each chapter is dedicated to a different component, to a different aspect that influences whether employees are going to stay whether they're going to be motivated and give you their best and whether they're going to help you attract more top talent. 
Nice, nice. I can't wait to hear what Enhance actually stands for, right? So let's get straight to that, right? What is the Enhance framework? What does it represent? And how does it help leaders address these remote work challenges, including burnout? Yeah, so I mean, I'll run you through the components, but obviously uh, there's a lot more to each one that we can <laughs> get into in this conversation. Eliminate biases, eliminate any roadblocks is the first E. Enhance, navigate. So navigate the change. H is harness your employees' talents, you know, harness all of the value that your employees bring. And A is accountability because everyone needs to be accountable for goals. It's the only way you can have autonomy. So you could think of A as autonomy, but you know, really I focus on the accountability because that's the only way autonomy works is when there's accountability. The second N is notice. Notice what's working and what's not working. There's more to it, of course, but that's the essence of it. And then C is communication. And then the final E is evaluating execution. Those are the seven components. And there's so much to implementing each of those components. Communication alone, like, duh, everybody knows how important communication is. But this book, my book really goes into how to communicate with purpose and intention so that any communication that anybody within the company, you know, individual leader, leadership team, whatever communications to employees, it's with very specific intent so it can be effective. Each and everything that you said really resonated with me. You started with uh, eliminating bias. In fact, this being Women's Month, we are talking about breaking the bias, the main themes for this year. So that is great that you addressed that. And we've all seen so many different studies come out on how important it is to keep that bias out the door and also improve our diversity and inclusion. I loved the way you talked about navigating, harnessing people's strengths, communicating effectively. Uh, those are all gems that you have there. I'm particularly curious about the diversity and inclusion part. How does enhance employee engagement help leaders with the diversity and inclusion efforts? So I actually have a whole chapter dedicated exclusively to diversity and inclusion, giving some really practical tips on how to communicate in an inclusive way and how to attract diverse, you know, a diverse team and why you want to attract a diverse team. I mean, I think now um, people are generally more understanding of the why, the value than back in 2015 when this book was published. But it's a good reminder because, you know, especially when leaders are struggling to find talent, they kind of tend to go to their networks and, you know, most people's networks tend to be very much like the individual, not so diverse. And it's so important to go outside of one's network uh, in order to harness the, you know, the diversity of thought, which leads to better products, which leads to better services and so on. I can just go on and on. <laughs> Good point. In fact, we met through the Chief Network, which is a great way of bringing diverse women leaders from across the country. And I really enjoy interacting with the diverse set of uh, people that we have there, for sure. I'm curious about the research that you mentioned earlier. 
what was the biggest takeaway from the research you did to supplement your own experience? You know, I was just blown away to discover that companies with women leaders, whether they be CEOs, board members, or in the C-suite, companies with more women leaders actually made 20% higher profits than companies that didn't embrace that gender diversity. It just really touched me. I, I mean, I found it fascinating also because it's kind of, you know, it kind of made me think, well, why? Why is that? And I think that one of the reasons why it goes back to one of the key components of communication, you know, just um, without, you know, without getting into, you know, stereotyping or anything, in general, women are known to be more relational and, you know, and put more value and emphasis on communication. And communication is really a cornerstone to building relationships. The data supports that initial thought that I had, you know, now because now there have been studies on why, why is that? And, you know, and they just show that in general, more women put more emphasis on building relationships as part of reaching goals. Great point. I can certainly resonate with that. Uh, that relationship is one of the key strengths I look to for myself as a leader. And you're not alone in sharing that uh, women are having more profitability when they lead a company. In fact, I've heard that uh, from Mr. Wonderful, uh, who is Kevin O'Leary, who is in the Shark Tank. He mentioned it that among his companies that he's invested, uh, the women-run companies are able to generate a lot more profitability on average, right? You cannot generalize, like you said. And he also shared something interesting that he said that women set more achievable goals, right? Sometimes when you are setting too high of a goals, then people get uh, frustrated because they're not able to reach that and they would leave, right? So women are really better at retaining people and uh, being able to keep that talent in, inside the company by doing all of these things, right? Communicating, setting the right level of goals. So I saw that in your book, you talk a lot about attracting and retaining talent. What is one tip you can share to help leaders attract and retain top talent or best manage remote work? It really comes down to culture. I think creating a culture that generates raving fans, turns your employees into raving fans, that is you know, probably the number one way to both attract and retain, as well as motivate you know, top talent. Because what I've seen is Sun, for example, was great at that. Sun has been part of Oracle for decades now, you know, well over a decade. And yet the Sun alum are still raving fans of Sun Microsystems. And they, and, you know, Sun's employees were raving fans and it was a wildly successful company. <laughs> and that's just one example. But what I've seen is when a company makes raving fans of its employees, the way it wants to make raving fans of its customers, then everything else gets easier, works itself out. When you have raving fans, in my experience, for, as employees, you don't have to ask them to say good things about the company. You don't have to ask them for referrals when you're looking to hire. Great people tend to hang out with other great people. 
And what I've seen with my teams that I've built is my great people, when I've had to hire more, they come to me with great people in their network. And because I've hired diversity, you know, I get more diversity. So it's just this virtuous cycle that, you know, and it all starts with creating the right culture, which of course there's a lot to doing that, but that's, that's the cornerstone, I believe. It is certainly top of mind, especially all across Silicon Valley and all across the world in the importance of culture. I do see several other books that have come out in that angle of culture creation. So very interesting. I think that that can warrant a podcast of its own, that whole topic. Yeah, so- I have a, my book has a chapter devoted to culture and I could write a whole, of course, book on culture. The, but the nice thing is that in my book, there are very practical, easy to do tips, you know, like scripts, any, everything from scripts to checklists, because I'm a very practical, operational minded person. And so that reflects in my book. Excellent. Yeah, maybe that's the second book, right? If you were to write one more <laughs> about culture in the future, but certainly Enhance uh, seems to be a great book that our audience will benefit from. Uh, so tell us who will benefit most from reading your book. I really think that CEOs and anyone else who is a leader at a company that influences the company's culture and builds teams within the company because it's really all about the people. I mean, enhance employee engagement. It's about building future-proof companies with people and how to do it. And so anyone that's in particularly leadership role, you know, because let's face it, leaders and CEOs especially set the tone for the for the rest. Absolutely. I was uh, personally thinking of, uh, you know, this could be a great reading for several HR leaders too, on how they could then guide the rest of the organization, right, in addition uh, to the CEOs. But I completely agree uh, with all the leaders in the company benefiting from this. So how can people get your book or learn more about you? So my book is available on Amazon. And all you have to do is type in enhance employee engagement, it pops right up. Uh, learn more about me. LinkedIn is probably one of the easiest ways. And I'm at uh, LinkedIn in Nicole B. Mason. Excellent, Nicole. It was a fantastic conversation with you today. Uh, Listeners, check out the book, Enhance Employee Engagement on Amazon and connect with Nicole on LinkedIn. Thank you for tuning in. And thank you, Nicole, for your time. Thank you, Preeti.